Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. Trevor and Mike Blewett with you on this Saturday morning leading you up to 10 o'clock where we have weekend fantasy update. I believe that's uh, Cam and George coming your way from 10 to 2. Can you uh, all things sports through the Saturday? Uh, there is some uh, NBA tonight. There's plenty to talk about in the world of Major League Baseball and the NFL. We'll do some of that the rest of our time here uh, as well. Want to touch on a uh, little bit of a tease. Not a big one because it's Danny Amendola, but uh, rumors abound, uh, Mike, that uh, Amendola will be cut by the Dolphins after just one season uh, there in Miami. Uh, this is being reported, of course, by 98.5, the Sports Hub in Boston. Reason being that Amendola, a Patriot for a long time. Uh, he is 33 years old. Don't know if he'll make his way back to New England, but sure does seem like uh, somebody that could make his way uh, back to Belichick and back to Brady here uh, and maybe be uh, some fantasy viability simply because of being in that lineup. Uh, any thoughts on uh, an Amendola or any other names you're seeing that could be changing places? They don't often come back, actually. <laughs> New England is pretty good about cutting ties and not having guys come back. Patrick Chun, Chung is one of the few guys to like leave in free agency and then come back. But if Amendola is being cut and he's still useful, I could see Tom campaigning for him to come back in the mix uh, if they feel like he's still effective. Now, they got Hogan there and Edelman there already. Uh, they do need especially if Gronk retires, they're going to need a bigger playmaking wide receiver of some sort. Um, I don't think Philip Dorsett and Danny Amendola fulfill that role. Dorsett can be a quick hitter, but I think he's he's shown shown who he is. He can be kind of a, a touchdown guy for them, but... To consistently make big plays on the outside in you know in close games, I, I think they'd want somebody. I think they they liked having Josh Gordon there, and I, I think they would like somebody more in that mold. It doesn't have to be the talent level of Josh Gordon, but to keep acquiring smaller wide receivers might not be uh, prudent. But as a sixth wide receiver, I think they'd probably rather have him than right. a lot of other guys because he knows the system and he's got good relationships there. But they often yeah, don't come back name. in New England. Once they leave, they're gone. This is unique, though. He's only gone one year. Be uh, intriguing to see. Uh, any uh, NFL headlines or players that you're tracking or, or that you are most 
uh, intrigued by this offseason, guys who uh, may have some sort of fantasy value next year, or are you just simply basking in the glow of a post-Super Bowl time and giving yourself, uh, your brain, a little bit of off time before uh, locking down now, on the draft uh, in a couple months? I mean, I do get, I get right now, like the draft stuff, we'll, we're going to have people on here every week starting next week. I know we had Emery Hunt on a couple of weeks ago. He gave us a little taste because he was down at the Super Bowl. But we're going to consistently rotate guys on this Saturday show for a segment or even two at times to break down some of the prospects as we head towards the Combine, which is only a few weeks away, and then the NFL draft. For me, I really start to take a look at free agency. I think for fantasy circles, people are going to be very curious to see where, obviously, Antonio Brown ends up, where Le'Veon Bell ends up and somebody like Tevin Coleman, where he ends up. And while I said about six months ago that Tevin Coleman in keeper leagues was a must-draft kind of guy, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know that he's going to get a head job, uh, a number one running back job now. I think he ends up being probably part of a committee and not quite as valuable as he might have seemed six months ago because he didn't prove to be a guy that could stand up on his own and be a a lead back. He had an okay statistical season, but I don't think he impressed anybody that much. I don't think he's going to see a windfall. Um, You're obviously going to have to keep an eye on Kareem Hunt to see where he ends up, and then you'll start getting into free agents. There's some bigger defensive free agents that are – really important like Grady Jarrett in Atlanta with them having to spend money on guys like Deion Jones and Keanu Neal can they afford to pay Grady Jarrett I think they should but I I can't I don't have a handle on every dollar of their cap space you know they're paying Matt Ryan 30 million Julio Jones gets top dollar if you were ranking the Atlanta defensive players you'd want Keanu Neal and Deion Jones before Grady Jarrett so do they think that they can extend that kind of money to all three of those guys? It could be difficult. We will, uh, as uh, Mike said, talk a lot of draft and, and free agency as this winter goes on. We will talk plenty about uh, other sports as well, but this is just a, a season-long, year-long endeavor now with the National Football League with so much uh, on the line. Intrigued to see if the Jets and Giants can strike a deal. Um, it's uh, one where whether or not the Giants try to move up to get their quarterback, whether these two teams can sort of get past their uh, rental relationship there at MetLife Stadium. Uh, they are roommates, uh, but uh, I wonder overall if something can happen there. Uh, we're going to see a lot of moves. It, we always do. And uh, something I saw, which we were talking about the Pats and uh, Amendola, but the Pats have six picks over the first three rounds. That's what they do. They do yeah. it every year. Like that every year, that is why that is one of the main reasons why the New England Patriots are the best franchise in football because they realize the simple math of the draft isn't getting the number one overall pick, isn't trading up into the first 10 picks, it's having a boatload of picks, multiple opportunities to get it right because it is a mess. The, the, the probability or, or probably, I guess, yeah, probability of a player panning out isn't that great across all seven rounds when you average it all out. So they get as many picks as they can. They move back a bunch. You'll see them move back again, I'm sure. They may end up with eight picks over the first three rounds and just keep moving back until they get a player they want and then they stockpile these picks. Or something they've done also is they'll take a known commodity 
like, like Danny Shelton, and they'll right. move a pick for him. Uh, they, they've done a lot more of that in recent years. And by the way, it doesn't all work out um, for them. But they, they understand, as you said, it's a numbers game, and they just try to make a bunch of transactions in order to, you know, like Kyle Van Noy is a key player in that defense now. He was drafted by the Lions pretty high. They unceremoniously cut him probably because they didn't know how to use him properly. And then he just ended up in New England. And now he's a two-time Super Bowl champ. So I believe, I think he was there for the Atlanta one. I could be wrong. But nonetheless, he's a Super Bowl champ with them. And he played a key role. He had a big sack on Goff early, uh, earlier in the game. So they do make moves like that where they will trade a, one of those stockpiled picks for somebody like Danny Shelton and just say, well, he was a top 15 draft pick by the Browns. He's a space eater. We'll see if we can use him effectively. And by all accounts, they have. It doesn't mean he has to be an all-pro. It just means he has to help them win, which is all they care right. about. Now, that's a great point and uh, one that I'm sure we'll echo uh, here on the show throughout the next couple months about the Pats. And uh, I think it might have been, uh, was it Frisco Josh on Twitter or Evan Silva, one of the you know fantasy football analysts who uh, share a lot on Twitter. If you're not on Twitter and you want to be into the draft and fantasy, you're missing out a good deal of free content that's uh, given away over there. Uh, but discussing how effective the Pats are with trading picks for established players, to your point, uh, and the idea that they are very good at analyzing getting somebody on you know that last year of their rookie deal or getting them uh on a a shorter uh contract and seeing something in them that fits well in their system going and get them and then building them up when they get over to the past because the, the major difference there is that on some level every college player is an unknown you do not know how they'll transition to the nfl with the NFL players that may be washing out at another team, you can probably understand what they do and do not do well in the pros. So New England, who's better at this than any, the one thing that they are, they're better than the other organizations at a lot of things. But the one thing that I feel like they are better at is knowing exactly who fits in their system and how to use them. And if it doesn't work, they just move on. They traded one of these draft picks a couple of years ago for Coney Ealy, a former first-round pick of the Jaguars that just didn't work out. He wasn't working, or maybe it was the Panthers, excuse me. Um, But he wasn't working out, and they moved him um, to the Pats for like a third-round draft pick, something like that. And I remember thinking like, wow, that's another example of the Pats taking this really talented player and acquiring him. They scout him while he's in the pros, watching him play in professional football games, and they're probably going to make something out of him. And it didn't work, and they cut him that same offseason. So there are examples that it doesn't work, but at the same time, they're taking calculated risks with players that are already in the NFL, not guys that we don't know how they're going to transition to the NFL. We don't know everything about their background. They can establish, you know what? This guy didn't work out in Detroit, say with Van Noy, but he shows up on time. He's doing his job. They're just not using him right. Let's bring him over here and see if we can put him in a better position, and they did.
Yeah, there's actually uh, a couple of articles from 2018 about uh, why do the Patriots make more trades than picks in the NFL draft. So uh, you can find those uh, if you fire up the Google machine. But there are a few different analysis. There's one from SB Nation, one from Bleacher Report. So there are a few pieces. Uh, and there's a great tweet of the uh, 2018 Pats draft uh, update or recap. And it's basically a flow chart of where all the different pieces ended up and yeah. who got traded for whom and and uh, all those different things. So if you are intrigued by it, I'll actually tweet it out right now uh, to share it with everyone. Do you want to transition here uh, from the uh, world of the NFL to Major League Baseball? And I guess the easy way to do that is talking about New England and Boston because they just keep winning championships. But um, there are rule changes that are being discussed In Major League Baseball, we talked before about the AAF and how that might influence the NFL uh, with uh, kickoffs and two-point conversions and the like. We are finally getting seemingly real discussions around the DH appearing in both leagues, the American League and National League. Now, this is a story that's run its course through the week. Mike and I get to talk about it for a few minutes here, and then we'll continue the conversation into the next segment. Um, Rob Manfred came out. I believe yesterday and said, listen, it's not happening this year. The DH is, is staying the same this year. Look for it maybe in 2022. So putting it off a couple of years. That's also after, I believe, the current uh, collective right. bargaining agreement expires. So that is right. also him doing a little bit of negotiation already, putting it off and saying, hey, if you want to negotiate about this, we're happy to. But there's going to be a work stoppage in baseball, whether a lockout or a strike, it's <laughs> happening very soon. Um, but I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts. Uh, I am a... DH for all at this point. Uh, I did like the idea when I was younger that, hey, let's keep the DH in the National League. It changes the sport a little bit. It makes for intrigue. But now with uh, the the idea of everyone playing everyone, it's not this small smattering of AL versus NL during a season. We have full interleague play. And every level of sport besides Major League Baseball, there's a DH. Every level. The pitchers don't hit. Unless, I mean, high school, they might because they're, you know, a a star athlete and the way things work out. But there is no other league that has this setup. Uh, It's time. It's time for me. It's time to just set the the clock and and restart. And to the purists out there who say, oh, this is the way. The game's evolved many times over. And what we're watching today isn't what people watched in 1920 for a multitude of reasons. So yeah. I, I can't hold on to the history here. What are your thoughts? Are you a DH for everyone? Are you an NL fan? How does this break down for you? I understand the emotion of people that think that, um, well, baseball is created a certain way and you're you're letting that pass to history. And I would just say that in general, these things often do happen. I think one of the Asian leagues also lets pitchers hit, but for practical purposes, uh, everybody else is using a DH uh, the DHs uh, obviously aren't going anywhere. Those guys are big hitters and make a lot of money. Right. Um, I spoke to, of all people, I randomly bumped into, this is probably 20 years ago, Peter Gammons. Nice. I saw him just in a store and bumped into him. And I was, he had, it was days after Tino Martinez had been hit in the back by Armando Benitez. Oh, wow. Yep. A famous pitch. And, Peter Gammons, who was at the time with ESPN and on Baseball Tonight, he went off on Benitez. He's the angriest I'd ever seen him on that show. And he fired back about how 
uh, he it was so cowardly and the like. And I asked, I was like, you know, I'm a huge Yankees fan. Thank you for saying that. I I felt like it was the right thing to say. And I said, I suppose there's nothing you can do about it. He's like, no, there isn't. The union will never let the DH go away. And he was right. Right. Uh, first of all, it wasn't going anywhere because those guys were productive. But also the union realized that it gave guys that weren't good fielders very solid, high-paying jobs in Major yep. League Baseball. So that was never going anywhere. Obviously, baseball's changed dramatically. We're in the middle of a very dramatic change right now where there's more strikeouts than ever. There's more strikeouts than hits in baseball right now. And that's indicative of how hard these throwers are and the number of pitchers that they use. So to expect pitchers to stay as successful as they even were, which wasn't successful uh, a few years ago, a decade ago, is silly. I don't care that Bumgarner hits a few home runs or it's cool to watch Bartolo Colon finally hit a home run. Like, that's a sideshow. Yep. I think you just move on and, and, and get all the DHs going. So I, I've thought that for some time. Yeah, and I, I think there's the, the, there is the uh, bravado or machismo re- reply of, well, make those pitchers step in the batter's box, like you're saying. Like, make them step in the batter's box. Make them face that 95-mile-an-hour fastball. You know what? You just we have to be do throwing it a different at, way. Yeah. But it's all, we shouldn't be throwing at anyone anyway. Like, it's just such a, like, old-school, silly way to approach things for me that, well, you know, make him get hit. Or let's get the throwing at people out of the sport. Like, let's make sure that players get suspended and find the right amount of money. Hit them in the pocketbook. Don't have them thrown at their head, which could end their life. I don't care how good a helmet is. And I, that's where I get frustrated with people who are like, oh, make them dig in. And to your point, Bumgarner, great quote-unquote hitter for a pitcher. What's he batting, like 145 for his career? Let's be serious, guys. Let's move on. Let's talk sensibly and calmly about updating a sport we all love and enjoying it more. And that means more fat men hitting baseballs because they're designated hitters. Who who doesn't like that? Give me more Cecil Fielders in the world. We're back with more on the other side of this. Fantasy Sports Today. Dan Strapper, Mike Blewett, talking more baseball on the other side. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Back with more after this. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Mike Blewett here. Saturday morning, Fantasy Sports Today. Sean Angle behind the glass and on the ones and twos and is bringing up all of my teenage angst. 
in multiple songs on this uh, episode of Fantasy Sports Today. Uh, oh, well, it's amazing. Uh, Basket Case by Green Day. Nice post grunge 90s rock uh, exactly. situation going on. Little little punk, little pop punk. Uh, Green Day sort of kicked off, or one of the the bands to really kick off the pop punk craze. I've made a uh, lot of bad calls in my life, Dan. Uh, <laughs> regarding, go on. Like, just I guess life calls you could call them, but I was really <laughs> referring to how bad I can be at times on making fantasy recommendations. Uh, but <laughs> I'd say my worst prediction ever is I remember watching Woodstock '94, so I'm like <clears throat> tail end of college for that. And I'm an idiot for not going, uh, but I was watching with some friends at the time. And uh, if anybody's ever seen the coverage, there it was just a deluge, a downpour yep. in Pennsylvania. Or it was it was in the it was in Woodstock. It wasn't in Pennsylvania. Sorry, it was in Woodstock, and people are like throwing mud up on the stage. It's like a big right. a big mud pit. And I just remember Green Day playing in this. And I really liked them at the time, but I remember thinking, yeah, these guys are cool, but they're never going to last. Like, yep. their music's just not, it's just specific to this they era. They play three chords. Like, that, most of their songs But they've been the around forever, chords. and they had a house, they had a play on Broadway, and yep. they're still playing. They're mo- way more successful than most of the bands, if not all of the bands that played in Woodstock 94. They're the most yep. successful. You know, uh, I did some work uh, for a while. A good buddy of mine owns a, a lyric website uh, that I did some work for. And so uh, music's uh, close to, to sports for me. Sports is a distant leader, but, but music is a close second. It'll be an intriguing project to go back through both 94 and 99 uh, and see what bands are still touring, still playing, which ones ended up being most successful from an album sales perspective, and which bands. There's uh, Somebody live tweeted them themselves watching the 94 Woodstock like full on recently watched the whole thing and tweeted out this band much similar to you this band seems like they won't be around for long about green day so it's, if i can find it i'll share that as well so but- here, here's a couple of the bands that were there i'll give you the ones that i think are are were big time blues traveler sure they're, i think they're still around but you know they're not i think he retired i think the lead he lived in princeton john New Jersey. popper yeah, John Popper was a Princeton, New Jersey guy. Um, I'm pretty sure they retired, but they might still be touring. Yeah, um, live. So that right. was a big band at the time, but they're nowhere near what Green Day is. Cheryl Crow, she's still big, obviously. Yep. Um, the Violent Femmes were there, but they haven't like. My first ever time. concert, first ever oh, concert, boy. the Violent Femmes. That says a lot about your angst too. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Collectives. Man. I mean, that's your first band. I think mine was like. Well, you too is really like my first big concert. Sure. But yep. I saw in I saw in excess uh, early on as well. So that's a tough one to start with. Uh, Collective Soul, Candlebox, those bands. Um, I think. Yeah, this next one. No, there was like a rave section. So I don't. The know. The Saturday show. You have some big ones. Joe Cocker, Blind Melon, Cypress Hill. Henry Rollins band, Melissa Etheridge, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Nine Inch Nails, Metallica, all right, and Aerosmith. All right, the, the, they're bigger than in Green Day, those, yep. those last couple. A few of them might be, but those last two. But yeah, Metallica had were some there. bumps in the road. What, where am I looking? Where did I see that? Yeah. Uh, Salt and Peppa, what's up? <laughs> they were there. <laughs> uh, Almond, <laughs> Almond Brothers. Uh, Bob Dylan, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Peter Gabriel, um, 
and then and Green, Green Day, Day was one of the last bands. I, yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess the better way for me to say it though is that of the bands that were coming from that era, yes, that's right. Nobody was bigger than yeah. them. Chili Peppers is the only other one. Yeah, because you're not Metallica, talking about Metallica came out in the '80s, really, yep. uh, and Aerosmith. Aerosmith, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Aerosmith—they've been playing for forty. Five years, so yes, sir. Uh, and I saw Joe Cocker actually not too long before he died. So uh, I loved Blind Melon, Cypress Hill, and and a few of those others. But of the bands of that era is probably the better way for me to have phrased it. Um, but I still, I mean, out of the numbers, last. if you're taking a net average here, you're you're talking about what top five or top seven of the bands here, with some of them being all time greats. Uh, That's right. But, uh, of that right. era, the Chili Peppers yep. are the only. Or the Chili Peppers are probably. A skosh bigger than Green Day. I'm a big fan of the word skosh, so well done. Uh, Nathan is on the line. You are from New Jersey. I am from New Jersey. We have a a kindred spirit here, Mike. Nathan, how you doing? How you guys doing? Good morning. Uh, How you guys doing? Good? Good, man. Uh, What's up? Yeah, so I got two things real quick. One on uh, uh, the baseball for agency and then uh, the new league that's starting up today with the AAF. But first, baseball for agency. Um. I don't know. Uh, baseball, they need to do a. They need to change up the rules a little bit because uh, there's a hundred agents out there still, and uh, the Machado and the Harper market is still holding up. And I feel like that it's almost spring training, and some teams have to pounce on these agents soon enough. Like, like for example, my Yankee. I'm a big Yankee fan, so I'm just hoping. Uh, I mean, either way, we don't have to get one of them because we're already at a D team. But if somehow Cashman can swoop in. Uh, to get Machado Harper at a decent price, I would take it uh, because he, they could help uh, uh, change the lineup uh, in a heartbeat. But uh, all in all, we don't need them. But uh, they, everybody keeps saying the Yankees are still in the race for both of them. So let's see what happens here. But I'm just hoping it goes quickly because spring training is almost here. But and then for the AAF, real quick, um, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to see how it goes because everybody's saying that it looks. It's apparently it looks pretty good and. Hopefully they, it turns out well tonight. But and then apparently they already have a favorite, uh, someone from Arizona, I guess. But you can't really say that uh, when the new league is starting. I, you just have to see how it plays. But I just want to get your take on that free agency and then the AAF. Sure. Yeah. Right, let's, uh, do the, thanks. let's do the football. Yep, for, for thank you, Nathan, for the call. Yeah. Let's do the football first. And uh, here's what I'll say. I think you could see some good play. Um. So I, I think you could see some good play, but I don't think it is going to be – I don't think it's going to blow you away. I think it could be a little messy to right. start. I think throughout the season – where are they playing, 10 games, Dan? I think that's right, yeah. I think it's 10 games. Uh, I, I think it'll get better as it goes. And this wasn't rushed to the table like the XFL was, so I think we'll see some pretty good play. Like I said, I'll, I'll be in Vegas tonight, so – uh, I'll get a chance to see some of it. Is it tonight or tomorrow? Are they playing all the games today, Dan? I can't remember. I thought it was Sunday was kickoff, but I might be wrong That's what on I that. think. I think it's Sunday, too. But uh, So, whatever. I'll get a chance to watch some of it. I think it'll be a little messy to start, and then uh, we'll get better. I think you'll see some decent play, and it's not the NFL. So, you, you got to take that with a grain of salt. So, that's one. On the baseball stuff, the Yankees aren't out of it until they're out of it. Right. That's just the way it goes. They're always going to be that way. And when I say, yeah, if you say, oh, it looks like the Yankees are going to pass on it, well, the Yankees have passed on it when he's already on another team. Uh, That's when they pass on it. People thought they were done with Mark Teixeira 
12 years ago, and then Mark Teixeira played for the Yankees for a decade. So those types of things happen with the Yankees. Um, as far as we need to get this, we need to get a move on on the free agency, nobody agrees more than me. Uh, and I don't think there's anything they can do about it, Dan, until the CBA comes up. And I don't yep. know what that solution even is because it's teams realizing that the players are far more fungible assets than they – there's so much data now in baseball to show that these long-term deals don't work that – uh, the teams have finally come to their senses and say, you know what, we're not doing the Jason Hayward deals anymore. I think that's part of it. Nathan, again, thanks for the call. Appreciate you checking in and uh, enjoy your Saturday, uh, good friend. Um, the problem I have is that we're taking the guys like a Harper and Machado and applying to them deals that were... Sp- I saw the comparison by the Post uh, that the... Uh, Jacoby Ellsbury story uh, uh, contract should be what people are comparing Machado and Harper to. The issue there, though, is that Jacoby Ellsbury was 30 years old when he signed that contract. Albert Pools was old when he signed his massive contract. Machado and Harper in the middle of their 20s, and they are still trending towards their big seasons like they're they're statistically 27 to 29 years are in baseball it's trending lower to 26 to 28 but those are the big years so the idea that certain contracts are showing these contracts shouldn't be signed i have a little bit of a problem with with that said though if you're harper or machado mike and this is other people's money, so I can do this all day. I can spend somebody else's money pretty well. But yeah. are you taking an opportunity now to take a, let's say, a three-year deal, just as a number, for exponentially more money per year than you would have gotten on your average annual uh, value on a 10-year deal? Would you say sign for $40 million a year or $45 million a year for three years to see what happens? That's what I've actually thought. It's it, it's funny you brought that up because I brought this up with some people as well. If they can't get exactly what they want, why wouldn't they just go to a team and say, you know what, you guys are close. You feel like I can, if you guys are close on winning a title, <coughs> if you feel like I can come in here and change things and you don't want to give me $300 million, fine. I'll take 150 over four years, right? And then I'll be a free agent again when I'm 30, and then right. I get another one of those deals. Now, I think teams are still going to say, "Well, yeah, you're still a huge risk it there," and and with teams like the Padres and White Sox being in the mix for it, they're not close. Neither right. of them are close at all, and those are two of the four teams that we're hearing in the mix for for Bryce Harper. It's the Phillies, the Nats, um, and the Padres, really, for Harper. And then on the Machado side, we're hearing the White Sox. You know, it looked like it was a foregone conclusion. At some yeah, they're point. signing all of his family members, right? Right. So, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what the solution is. I think it – here's what this is, really. This is revenge for the owners getting steamrolled by the Players Association for 40 years. Yep. No salary cap, escalating dollars, and endless 
escalating amount of dollars, which culminated in the Giancarlo Stanton deal to say, well, the only way we can lock up assets is to give them a lower average, but we're still going to give them $300 million guaranteed. And then it became an albatross. And it's actually at a point where if the Yankees had now the Giancarlo Stanton deal, I was not a detractor of that deal because they hadn't given up much. And I thought he could hit a billion homers, and he did. And right. I think he'll still continue to strike out a lot and continue to hit a lot of home runs. But if Giancarlo Stanton isn't on the Yankees, I think Bryce Harper's a Yankee. Oh, I'd, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. It created a logjam for yep. them. Yep. And Harper's a much better piece than Stanton is for a few yep. reasons, not the least of which is that he's left-handed. And he would hit a minimum of 40 homers every year in Yankee Stadium. Whatever yep. the batting average is would be whatever it and is, but he would hit a million homers. I, I know you didn't say this, but I am so frustrated by people saying, oh, Harper's average, he's not an elite player. Can we stop? Like, Yes, Mike Trout is an absolute anom- anomaly in baseball, and he's far and away the best player in baseball. Like that is fine. I don't need Bryce Harper to be my trout, but look at his weighted on base average. Nobody's look at his cut. contact rate. Right. And no one will I, I I I truly believe this. I don't think anyone will be Mike Trout for a very long time. Um, you know, these are he's a generational talent for a good reason. Uh, that Bryce term Harper, generational talent is badly overused, but it's actually yes. true with Mike Trout. I, yeah, I agree, wholeheartedly agree with you. I think it's it's overused and and you can't have multiple generational talents. It's if I hear works. another, if I hear another NFL analyst tell me that this this running back is a once-in-a-generation player, I'm going to lose my mind. There's one guy yep. that's once in a generation. It was Barry Sanders. Yep. Then it was Ladanian. Now it could be Barkley. There's just certain guys, and Marcus Falk is in there too. Like there's certain guys that it's just once in a football generation. Which is whatever right. you want to give it, seven, ten years, whatever it is. Well, it's going to say the, the, with the way the, those uh, players come in and yeah, out running back, maybe like once every like four years. years. <laughs> yeah. Four years. It was like Barry, um, Marshall, Falk, Ladanian. Now here we go. Got all right, I, I can dig that. I, what's that? Four to eight, four to six years. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in on that. That's a, we should coin that. That a football generation isn't like millennials and Gen Z and Gen X. It's, yeah. it's much more finite and much smaller. I dig that. Um, but I, I'd have a problem with people pointing at Harper's average and saying, one, because I think average is not the best way to describe a good hitter versus a bad hitter. Um, but also because Bryce Harper has shown every other piece that he's going to bounce back. And if he's in the Yankees outfield, then uh, that team is amazing. And this is without Stanton. Now, I, I think the Phillies move, and we can transition to talk a little bit more about free agency and, and trades here as we uh, head into our final segment, giving away uh, to the weekend sports update. Um, the move by the Phillies, trading for JT Romuto uh, and giving up Sixto Sanchez, great name, by the way. Like, if I was still doing great play-by-play, name. he'd be somebody that I would love to call a game for. Um, you have Sixto Sanchez, Jorge Alcara, who had his offensive upside. You know, he showed some real promise, but has some defensive shortcomings there. Has a great arm, uh, but sort of similar to Gary Sanchez and has some trouble behind the dish, blocking pitches, the whole deal. Um, the Phillies now have to be all in, Mike. Like, th- that move was very much, we're going for it now. They need to sign Machado or Harper. I think they're the only team out there right now that is in that position, that, that has to sign them. And I think they need to sign one of the two. I don't think they need both, let's be honest. But I think they're at a spot where they've made moves. Their pitching should be pretty darn good. If their defense is better, 
they can really make some noise. Do you agree that the Phillies need to sign either Machado or Harper to really make that jump forward in the NL East? Yeah, and I think it speaks to what some of these other teams look at, where you are forcing yourself to be all in with this free agent, and there's no plan B. Like They don't have a plan B right now that is apparent, because I'm not saying JT Romito is not going to you know, add a lot of value. You don't have to have the big free agents to win. Right. Boston just happened to do a deal last year that netted them uh, a World Series with J.G. Martinez. Um, but the problem with this is it worries me because you don't know what the plan B is. If they do miss right. out on Harper, who appears to be the leader for them, um, then, then you're in big trouble. And I think that's why a lot of teams don't make deals like that because they don't want to be forced. They're trying to build teams organically. The Padre to the Harpers thing, man, that would be brutal for MLB. It would be. Uh, back with more after this, uh, a news story on Twitter about Bryce Harper that's pretty funny. Uh, back with more after this on Fantasy Sports Today. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. It's Trevor and Mike Blewett back. Uh, Sean, I love you. Uh, bringing the energy every morning. Sean Angle uh, behind the glass on the ones and twos, as I said before. A little Beastie Boys, a little sabotage to end our show. Uh, final segment here. We are leading you up uh, to the top of the hour. You'll want to stay tuned uh, throughout the day to uh, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's the weekend fantasy update at 10. They're running till 2 o'clock. I uh, can hear uh, from more here uh, throughout your Saturday and your weekend as we roll through. I will uh, read the story. I don't know if you saw this, Mike. And, uh, a little bit of a, a, a lie for me going into the break. Not really a news story. Oh, it's boy. The Onion. It's The Onion. I don't know if you saw this headline from The Onion. Bryce Harper asks if Philly's willing to move to another city. And then the quote attributed <laughs> to Harper is... Ah, that's good. I'm really trying to put myself in the best position, and it feels like the Phillies have all the pieces in place except for the city. <laughs> so... Yeah. Man, if you don't follow the onion on Twitter, you're missing out because some of the their Philly, headlines, some of their stories are great. I, I I try to keep my negative comments about Philadelphia to a bare minimum because their fans are nuts and the city's a rough city. And I don't want anybody to associate with me by negative comments around Philadelphia. Absolutely. I would say in general. I think I like more I Philadelphia more than other people that comment on it. Now, it's tough, city. It's tough, and I think they like it that way. But you go and visit Philly for a weekend, you're going to have a nice time. It's a good time. You are. Lot, Lots of lot history. Of history. Yeah. yeah. A lot of history. They got a nice little section, Old Town, Rittenhouse Square. They got a lot going on there. 
Philly's nice. Philly's nice. Yeah, I like okay. Philly. I like Philly. I, I mean, like you're a Jersey Listen. guy. You're not far from Philly. Right. Exactly. I was sort of equidistant between Philly and New York, though the city was always New York. Like we never yes. referred to Philadelphia as the city. But well, um, where are you from? You're from Northern Jersey. Yes. I'm from Central Central Jersey, Mike. Don't so, do not okay. do not do I'm that just, to me. I, I apologize. I understand the differences, but <laughs> anybody from Central and Northern New Jersey, Correct. the city is New York. Southern Correct. Jersey. They still might say the city is in New York, but their rooting interests lie in Philadelphia. Absolutely. It's, it's been a tough transit. We've talked before about uh, Massachusetts. I live just outside of Boston. And when someone here says, oh, I'm going into the city, I still think, oh, you're, you're going to New York. Yeah, yeah. No, they're talking about Boston. No, they're yeah. talking about that city. Which is, I mean, it's a, once you, if I can walk from one end of the city to the other, you're not a city. You're not a city. <laughs> Come on. You can do on. that in Boston. I can. I've done it. I've done it without San, even realizing it. San Francisco is about the same size as Boston, but you can't do it because the it's hills too hilly. They'll yeah, kill you. Too hilly. That's right. We we I was out there a few years back. Uh, same with that music company I was talking about before, and we tried, and we got about through four blocks. We're like, nope. <laughs> this yeah. is where's that taxi time. cab? Yep. Yep. Um, the rest of free agency to <laughs> Nathan's point. We talked about Bryce Harper. We talked about Manny Machado. Uh, talked a bit about. Um, what the Phillies can do and, and what they should do. I do agree with Nathan to an extent that something has to change. I don't know. It's a rule change. I think you're right. It's the CBA is going to open up something, but it is disconcerting from a fantasy baseball uh, point of view. And uh, yes, this is selfish and I'm going to say that I'm not trying to say, you know, baseball players should concern themselves with this or management should, but there's a lot of pieces that still need to be signed. There are a lot of moving parts here on roster spots. You see all of these minor league deals with invitation to spring training. Uh, because, again, the teams are trying to cover themselves. If uh, you know Curtis Granderson doesn't make the roster in, in, with Miami, if he doesn't make the roster with Miami, I, I'm done. Because he is by far the best hitter on that team, and he's 47 years old. But uh, if they don't make it, then they don't pay them that contract. And we can talk about minor league wages at a different time. Uh, But I'm really intrigued by how this affects ADP. Uh, You look at a Harper and a Machado, you can draft them on skill, we know that. But there's a stark difference between Bryce Harper playing in San Francisco or San Diego and playing in Philadelphia and New York. Like those are two different scenarios, and I'm big on Bryce Harper this year. I'll take the discount that is on him because of people believing the batting average matters, uh, and he won't bounce back. And those people who are afraid to draft him because they don't know where he's playing. But this is a legitimate concern. And again, I want to reiterate and make sure people understand. I'm not saying for baseball, but for fantasy baseball players and those of us who are trying to analyze and project out to drafts, um, it's a big deal. And I, how are you? Are you? Are you ranking yet? Are you into fantasy baseball? Or are you still waiting for sort of the first days of spring training to really turn turn that engine on? Um, I probably won't have my first draft until March. I would imagine I'll have a team or two this year. Um, yep. I'll probably talk to George Kurtz about that. He and I technically yes, managed a team together last year, and we won our league. I will absolutely go. concede that George did 95-plus percent of the work. Hey, that George 5% is, got you over the finish line, man. That's, that's right. But George is, you know, George, I respect George's baseball knowledge a, a lot. And I, I'm a, he's just better at fantasy baseball than I am. Um, as much as he and I can shoot the breeze for baseball for a while, George is stronger at fantasy baseball. So he's a good guy to team up with. Um, 
So in any event, uh, I'll, I'll get some drafts going in March. I won't do anything in February, but, you know, we have to, I'm keeping an eye on all of this stuff. The fact that 90-plus free agents are still out there is insane. There's been no market. Patrick Corbin is thrilled because yep. nobody else got paid. Yep, absolutely. The few guys got paid. Yasmani Grandal should fire his agent because he got a one-year $18 million deal when $60 million was on the table from the Mets. And I think... The one lesson we learned this offseason is that what Bill James said, famous Bill James baseball abstract, famous sabermetrician, Red Sox consultant, when he said on Twitter, much to the detriment of his employment, conceivably, although he hasn't been fired, to my knowledge, that baseball players, the players don't matter in players the baseball will move on right. he was telling you right there that we can find another guy just like this for cheaper and if we wait a year or two that everybody is fungible nobody's that important and i think that that line of thinking because of so much statistical analysis has become i hate to keep reusing this word but pervasive throughout the league and i think that owners and general managers have been convinced or have taught themselves that, you know what, we're better off going with these young teams and paying guys on rookie deals and pocketing all this extra money that we're making, and we don't have to go out and make a big splash in free agency. And if we do, we can do it at a minimum. I mean, think about it. The Yankees aren't even doing that stuff right now. They're trying to get rid of Ellsbury. The one thing that came up with the Yankees this week was could they swap Ellsbury's deal for um, Johnny Cueto? That was an interesting one, but it adds another year to the Yankees being in a salary conundrum. The problem with Ellsbury, he's got two years left. Now, they put him on ice last year and put him on the DL, but realistically, Jacoby Ellsbury probably could have played last year, and he certainly will be able to play baseball this year. So what do you do? You just buy him out like the Jays did with Tulowitzki, who, by the way, is on the Yankees now. Right. I don't know. Um, So... But in the people I talked to, and these are some just friends texting back and forth, they said, why add another year to the salary misery? Because if Johnny Cueto doesn't come back from his injuries, then you've just albatrossed yourself for another year with $20 million. Yep. I could make the counter argument that Ellsbury's of no use to the team. If Cueto became something at some point, then that type, he could eat up 150 innings, maybe help you to the playoffs, even if not in the playoffs. So a bunch of different ways to go. But my greater point, I think Bill James' style of thinking has become pervasive throughout the sport, and these guys know they're fungible, and why give Jason Hayward a deal when he's worth about a fraction of it? It's uh, an interesting discussion, especially with someone like Bill James bringing it up. Uh- that is the contract I think of, by the way, as the tipping point. Which one was that? Is Jason Hayward. Sure. Because when he got that deal, he got $180 bucks. Everybody was like, what? Right. He hasn't even done anything yet. Right. And it doesn't matter because they won the World Series, but he hasn't been worth it. Even if he's a good player, he hasn't been worth that. So 
We'll see. It's the one I think of. I could be wrong. I'm sure another baseball person would say, no, it's really this one. It's Giancarlo's deal or the Jason Worth deal being you know, worth, even though everybody loved him in, in Washington. Yep. So whatever. Jason Worth. I forgot about that one. Uh, and here's the thing. So you talk about uh, replaceable players, and obviously there's a metric now, wins above replacement, that uh, is a Saber metric part of the sabermetric category that uh, does help uh, to an extent understand uh, what uh, a player's value is above a repl- pre- replacement player to Bill James's point. And I wonder if there's enough metric here to say, hey, you know, this player's worth 2.3 war this year or whatever it might be. Uh, we're going to give up those two games. You know, we're, we're, th- those two games aren't going to matter enough. Um, we're not going to win the AL East. We're the Tempe Rays. Uh, we're not going to win the AL East. We're going to just eat those two wins and hope to, to luck ourselves into those two wins by not signing X player. It's, it's a tough decision, and you hear the word collusion. I don't believe there's collusion in Major League Baseball right now. I don't think all owners got together and said, hey, we're not signing any free agents. We are going to just uh, hold tight. Purse strings are are tied. No one's getting signed to a big deal. I do think, though, to your point, uh, the common thread here, the common thought process is, well, we don't want to be burned by a long-term deal. And as long as no one's pulling the trigger on that, that is effectively colluding to keep the market down. It's not an active collusion where they're making choices and discussing it, but the, the obvious market is not coming together uh, as it should, and as we should see a Harper Machado get signed. Again, I get it. I get the Hayward deal, to your point. I get that uh, the Jason Worth deal, there are bad ones out there. But to me, Harper Machado are different stories and are guys that you want to lock in and lock in at. Again, revenues are going to continue to increase. And I think that's the interesting point you made, too. Do the, the owners, the owners are spending less yep. a percentage yep, exactly. of their revenue exactly. than they were 10 years ago. It's exactly not right. arguable. In fact, I, I, I live at times to bash the Mets, and I'm not a Mets hater. I just like to needle a little bit. Yeah, but sure. the Mets spend a higher percentage of their revenue than the Yankees do. Oh, right. So when people say the yep. Mets don't spend and they act like a small market team, well, they spend a higher percentage of their revenue than the Yankees do. So right. uh, maybe the Yankees should spend more. I wonder if that – like so you can't – the math of that all becomes really difficult because you can't dictate that every team has to spend X dollars of revenue, right? Because that's where you get into the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Cubs having far and away yeah. more money to spend. Revenue sharing has done buckus thus far. Like it's it, You see small market teams pocketing their revenue sharing money and not yeah. spending it some, sometimes. But, yeah, but I, I will say this, though. I, I do think revenue sharing on the whole has worked because the one thing that baseball gets is sometimes from a macro standpoint an incorrect rap for is uh, it's just only a few teams that can win. Oh, sure. If you look at the number of teams that have made the World Series in Major League Baseball over the last 15 years and some of the teams that have won, it's pretty staggering. Like there was a time in the 90s through the early 2000s where it was just haves and haves nots you know the yankees were spending 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 and nobody could catch up and you're gonna have to get a mega tv deal in order to compete which the pirates and the padres and other teams couldn't do but a lot of teams do make the playoffs in major league baseball if you looked at the last 10 years last 15 years of the teams that made the playoffs and i bet you i, I believe well the nba 
NBA and NHL, you just really have to compare it to football. Like, if football's had more haves and have-nots over the last 15 years than baseball has to an extent, as, as much parity as there is in the NFL, uh, the baseball playoffs have actually played out okay. And I think revenue sharing has had a component there. I'm, I'm very hesitant to give Bud Selig any credit, but if he does get credit for one thing, I think it, instituting rev, revenue sharing did help teams like the Royals and the Pirates at least start to compete. Uh, who are you most looking forward to seeing this year? Uh, hasn't been a ton of movement uh, from a free agent perspective, but uh, top of or back of envelope uh, looking at teams outside of the Yankees, outside the team you root for. Is there a baseball team that you are intrigued to see what they have next, young talent or some pieces coming together that might uh, make a nice fun run to start the year? Well, I mean, obviously, we've been talking about the Phillies for a while, so you really want to see how this ends up. I think that's yep. one. Uh, I'm really curious because there was so much talk about the Indians potentially like moving Kluber and yep. those types of things. I'm curious what happens to them. Like, is their run over, or can it they sure just seem like it they to wanted it to be? <laughs> it sure right, seemed like they were trying to blow it up. Yeah, right. Or can they just bring it together? for this season and say, all right, we still have enough talent here. I mean, they have great young players on that team. Final so, thoughts here, Mike. I, yeah. I, I want to make sure we get a chance to hear uh, your thoughts. I, Frank Robinson passed away this week. Yes. Uh, I, I would love to leave on a positive note around his life, what he contributed to baseball. But for you, um, he uh, first African-American manager, uh, really a trailblazer in many ways. I hate to use that word a lot of times, but uh, true in his sense. Uh, thoughts on Frank Robinson and, and your personal uh, thoughts. I don't know if you uh, were a big fan of his coaching or what it might have been, but uh, passing away, obviously a, a big loss for the baseball community. Yeah, I think Frank Robinson be- – is one of those guys that due to the steroid era right there was a there was a time and when i was growing up not even having seen him played that i had a reverence for frank robinson as a baseball player that i don't think uh, persists now yep because so many guys passed a few guys passed him on the home run list not so many by the way he had 586 homers so Amazing. He was fourth all time for a long period of time. And I just think the fact that he was the first guy to win the MVP in both leagues, first African-American manager, he was a player manager. I think Frank Robinson's stamp on Major League Baseball for baseball people uh, is indelible. But for those of you that need a little bit of a history lesson, I think it's really important to note that Frank Robinson was one of the greatest baseball players of all time. No qualifiers. And um, sad day for baseball, but he earned every accolade that he got. And he might have been a gruff guy and a tough player, but read a couple of stories out there about how emotionally he got uh, when he had to bench certain players. There's a really good story about it. I'll, I'll even tweet it out after this. So may he rest in peace, and uh, we're looking forward to a good baseball season. Thanks so much for listening. Weekend Sports Update next.